Today on Locked On Ducks Hockey, Corey Perry and Andrew Cogliano come back to the Ponda and a talk about all-star jerseys. All of this on today's Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, everyone. TGIF. Yes, it's Friday. Eh. It's Friday, whatever. This is Locked on Ducks, your daily podcast covering the Anaheim Ducks. Don't forget, you'll get fresh daily content Monday through Friday about the OC's hockey team. If you can tell, I'm in a bit of a mood. You know, the Ducks getting shut out last night, not pleasant. Getting stuck on a freeway for a few hours, not pleasant. And don't forget that you can hear this podcast or any of the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or try looking manually on the Apple or Google Podcasts. If you're listening, be sure to subscribe if you have not already. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. As you can tell, I'm in a bit of a mood. There will be a little bit of a rant. I'm not going to go too much into the game itself because, frankly, it was a stinker of a game. And I'll go over the game very quickly. First period, Ducks got in a bit of trouble, found themselves on the penalty kill. And guess what? Dallas scored on an early power play. Gryanov got the goal on that one to make it one nothing. And then in the second period, Ben Bishop tried to pull a rabbit out of his hat, and he ended up getting the assist. Ben Bishop had a perfect, perfect outlet pass to Tyler Seguin on the point, and he passed it right to his teammate Radulov to put away the goal. And actually, uh, Tyler Seguin tried to go around behind the net. He did that. Loose puck, Radulov found it, and that ended up being the second goal of the game to make it 2 to nothing. I guess the best thing about this game, yes, there is a best thing about this game. Frankly, it was the fight. The fight between Nick Delorier and James Oleksiak. I can never say that. Nick Delorier and Jamie Oleksiak. There we go. That's better. Those two were throwing haymakers left and right. They were going at it for a while. It sounded good on the radio. I eventually saw the replay. Yes, they looked very good on that fight. I will give them credit for that. That was the lone bright spot for the Ducks. And I see that Nick Delorier is trying to rally his troops yet again as he's done all season long. Maybe this is why the Ducks are leading the league in penalty minutes and leading the league in fighting majors because they're behind so damn much. And players like... Delorier, Goodbranson, they're trying to get in some scraps and trying to rally their troops. I get that. But, you know, this Ducks team, they're not doing well. They're losing these games at home. Frankly, they shouldn't be losing this much at home. I know some people are saying, okay, it's time to tank. You know, you still have to try to win the game and make it somewhat competitive. But that was really the only bright spot of that second period. Going into the third period, not much happening there on shots. Not much happening there for the Ducks. I mean, they were outshot in that third period, 13-6. They looked like they had not much energy. The only goal on that one was an empty netter from Ruby Hintz. And the assist went to Jason Dickinson. And that would end up being the final score. Dallas Stars won 3-0 in Anaheim. But that was not the main story. Not by a long shot. The main story of the game 
was one guy that was playing and one guy that was not. And I'm going to focus on the guy that did play first. That way I can devote a whole segment to the guy that did not play just to give him some equal time to make it fair. Andrew Cogliano returned to the Ponda on Thursday night, his first time back in Anaheim since being dealt to the Dallas Stars. So Cogs had his moment on the second media timeout on the first period. He had a nice little video for him, and highlighted on that was his Game 7 goal against the Edmonton Oilers in the 2017 playoffs, that miraculous comeback that they had in Game 5. But Game 7, Cogs had that all-important goal to propel the Ducks past that second round against Edmonton and send them to the Western Conference Finals, where they would eventually succumb to the natural predators, but that was still a big, big moment for Cogs. And the look on his face afterwards, he had a little bit of a smile. He cracked a smile. He liked the video tribute. And there were a few Cogs jerseys in the stands, but that was a very nice moment. He got a nice little standing ovation, and it was well-deserved. So, once again, Andrew Cogliano, you know, that was his moment. Good to have him back at the Ponda, despite the fact that he's wearing a Dallas Stars jersey. It was great for the fans to see him back and cheer for him one more time. And I guess kind of relive the glory days when the Ducks had these depth players that can put away goals. Yes, this is getting very ranty, but, you know, the Ducks don't really have that depth scoring. I talked about this the last time the Ducks played, and this was on Tuesday night's loss. And even talking with, you know, media members There's just nothing there as far as the roster goes. You know, players are getting hurt. We see this happen. I mean, Silverberg got hurt on Tuesday night. And look what's going on there. What's happening with Silverberg? Well, he didn't play. Yeah. Jakob Silverberg was out on Thursday night. We don't know how long he's going to be out. I did report that on Wednesday's show just to kind of, you know, go back. I waited and waited to hear some report. As soon as I heard he wasn't practicing, I knew he wasn't going to play. I absolutely knew he was not going to play on Thursday nights. And who knows how long he's going to be out. That's their best score. When you lose your best scorer, like Jakob Silverberg, how much chance do the Ducks have to win the game? Pretty much slim to none. And slim left the building. So that's how that game went. 3 nothing Dallas. The Ducks lose yet another game. With the Kings winning at Vegas, guess what? The Ducks are back in last place in the Pacific Division. Maybe it's time for Team Tank to come out once again. Oi. Coming up after the first intermission, yes, I promise this, we're going to devote an entire segment to the departed Corey Perry, who was back in the building, although not in a Dallas Stars uniform. Hmm. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, so last night's game was a stinker. The Ducks scored no goals. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't a meaningful moment during the game. So before we go into that, I'll just go over some quick stats. Both teams were even on shots on goal, 27 apiece. 
And the Ducks' PK fails them once again. Dallas was 2-for-3 on the power play. Anaheim was 0-for-2. Not much to write home about on those two power plays. They're back to their old tricks, or I should say their old mistricks on that. So that's pretty much how the game went. All right. Let's talk about this. Corey Perry was back in the Ponda for the first time since going over to the Dallas Stars. Except he didn't play. He wasn't in uniform. Why wasn't he in uniform? Um, let's go back to New Year's Day, shall we? Yeah, New Year's Day, January 1st, there was one game on the docket, and that was the 2020 Winter Classic. And if you guys recall, or if you've you know, been not living under a rock, you're aware that Corey Perry provided the first meme of 2020 by taking the long walk of shame outside the Cotton Bowl. And that was because Corey Perry was suspended five games for elbowing um, Ryan Ellis. So that was not a good play. You know, Ryan Ellis did get injured on that play. Corey Perry did deliver Kind of a dirty hit. I'll just come out and say it right now. It was not a clean hit. Did Corey Perry deserve those five games? That's hard to tell. He did deserve a suspension. I had the suspension being at least three games. You know, five, that's setting a decent precedence for those kind of dirty hits. And I don't like those dirty hits in the game. But, you know, Corey Perry is a repeat offender. So, anyway... I will not rant about that anymore. So Corey Perry did not play. Right. But he was still in the building. He sat in a suite right by the old number seven, the Jack Daniels suite pretty much. But even before that, Corey Perry was spotted inside the building. And there was a very nice surprise for him. And I am very glad that the Ducks did this. Frankly, I think the Ducks did a fantastic job the last couple days. Just really, I guess the best way to put it is, you know, embracing, you know, team, embracing everything that the team is all about, you know, and it was a very memorable moment. He was very emotional. There was a tribute before the game where Corey Perry was surprised. How surprised was he? Well, he was met with 50 kids from the Learn to Play program, and that's the one that was co-sponsored by Corey Perry and Ryan Getzloff, his good friend. And there was some other former Ducks teammates there. Uh, we even saw Cam Fowler there, and we saw Tamu Solani show up. So I thought that was really cool that they had a nice little moment for him. You know, he was greeted by all those kids in the room, and already you could tell that he was a little bit emotional as it was. And he was also honored before the game for playing in 1,000 NHL games. You know, Corey Perry received a nice watch in the ceremony. And then Ryan Getzloff came over, you know, kind of giving a little bit of a smile. And Ryan Getzloff gave Corey Perry a very nice-looking wine bottle. I consider myself a bit of a wine aficionado. But it looked very nice. The wine bottle said 1,000 games, had the Ducks logo on it. It looked very cool. And then it came time for Corey Perry to speak. He could barely muster a few words. Corey Perry was very much choking up. That's the kind of stuff you love to see. You know, that humanizing moment where it's not about, you know, being on the ice. It is about the person. It is about the man. Whether you love him or hate him, he was very emotional during that. 
and you could tell that him being a duck for most of his career meant a great deal to him. And it meant a lot that they had this kind of surprise for him before the game. And I know that the program, you know, Corey Perry had a major hand in that program. And you could tell that he was just tickled pink to see all those kids there and see what a difference that makes. And then we get into the ceremony during the game itself. And it was a very nice, long, maybe minute and a half video, a nice tribute to Corey Perry before the game. And of course, one of the major highlights, well, there was a bunch of major highlights on that video. There was the 2007 Stanley Cup run where he had a couple of very important goals during that Stanley Cup run, and they ended up winning the Cup in 2007. And then there was a few highlights from that 2010-2011 season where he was the most valuable player of the NHL. The Hart Trophy winner had some great monumental goals that season as well. He won the Richard Trophy. Yeah, he was scoring all over the place back then. Hmm, something the Ducks are missing these days. And then there was another great highlight. I talked about this on New Year's Eve, or not New Year's Eve, but I talked about this as far as the three best moments, I think, for the Ducks the past decade, and that was the comeback on Catella. The Ducks had scored three goals in about a minute and a half, or in about three minutes, came back to tie the game in the third period against Edmonton, and then there was that long overtime, then it went to double overtime, and Corey Perry had one of the most memorable goals in Ducks history. Yes, I know there's his goals from the cup run, and there's other important goals, but the one to cap off the comeback on Catella, that was big. That brought the roof off that place, and still one of the most unlikely victories ever in Ducks history, and that really propelled the entire comeback. And then after that video, the crowd at Honda Center gave Corey Perry a very loud, a very long standing ovation that lasted over a minute. I mean, the fans would not stop clapping both players or players on both sides. They were tapping their sticks. They were applauding. All the coaches were applauding. Everybody, and I mean everybody, was giving tribute to Corey Perry. So that was a very cool moment at the Ponda. And I'm sure the Ducks miss having a goal scorer like him in a Ducks uniform. I could tell a lot of fans really do miss having that goal scoring. And a lot of fans do miss Corey Perry. A lot of fans do. So that's the little segment on Corey Perry. And after the second intermission, I'm going to talk about All-Stars. And I'm going to talk about jerseys. Beware, this could get a little bit ranty. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As you can tell, I'm in a bit of a mood today. Part of that is checking out the All-Star jerseys for the upcoming All-Star Weekend at St. Louis. And having a first glance at these jerseys, my first thoughts were, they did not look that appealing to me. On second look, my mind hasn't changed too much. I will say that I am or I was a music minor and I did study music theory 
So I can appreciate what they were trying as far as having the five horizontal lines trying to be the musical staff. I get that. But it seemed like a big miss to me, to be honest, because when I think about all-star jerseys, what is the one thing that these all-star jerseys should have? It shouldn't have, you know, the team logo on it. That's not what I'm used to. If anything, I'm used to having the giant NHL logo on the front and the team logo as a shoulder patch. That's always worked fine. What the hell are you doing, NHL? I mean, these jerseys are getting panned big time. Not only that, but something I noticed personally is the five musical lines, the bar lines, when you match it up with the St. Louis Blues jersey, that's supposed to be a music note. The logo is supposed to be a music note. More specifically, it's supposed to be a 164th note, I guess. And noticing that the note, if it was a treble clef, that note would fall on the F note, which is the grade I give this jersey a big fat F. But if you're like a couple other people that I know that actually really love this jersey and cannot wait to get it, then you're more of a bass clef person. And if you're a bass clef person, then that note falls on the A note, which is what some other people are giving this grade. So this is truly, truly a love it or hate it jersey. I'm on the treble clef side. I hate it. I think it is stupid. And this is going to get really ranty. But there should be stars on the jersey. It is an all-star game. We should go back to the styles of the 80s and 90s. Hell, they even brought those jerseys back for the Buffalo Sabres Skills Challenge. And everybody loved those jerseys. Everybody loved those jerseys. Even some of the commentators that were there. Those look fantastic on the ice. I don't know what it is. I'm not really a Flyers fan. I mean, I'll just say this. Orange does pop on the ice a little better than most colors, which is why a lot of people actually really love the Ducks' third jerseys this year. The orange with the old-school Mighty Ducks logo. I'll admit, those do look cool. It has a great mix of old and new. But these new jerseys, they are awful. They're just completely, completely awful. Not only that... But something else that's kind of a pet peeve of mine has to do with the skills challenge. And I do do love that each team wears their jersey. But why not give teams the option to wear some of their specialty jerseys? Or maybe their really good third alternate jerseys. Typically on skills challenge, it's their basic road or basic home. If you're the Calgary Flames, wouldn't you want to see your all-star representative in the third jersey for the Calgary Flames? Maybe the style that they wore for the Heritage Classic. Same for the Winnipeg Jets. Why not wear those Heritage Classic jerseys for the Skills Challenge? There are so many options, and the NHL is just lazy on that. Give the fans what they want. Don't trot out some of these god-awful jerseys. I mean, the NHL took a step back. To me, the 2016 All-Star jerseys. Those were fantastic. Of course, that was the great year where John Scott won the MVP. But those are great jerseys. Uh, the nice placement of stars. He had the three on the front. He had the three on the side. Those look great. Hmm. What do I see on this Blues style jersey? No stars. What the hell? These are... Yeah, I'm sorry. These are just so bad. And for that matter, why not go back to the four jerseys? It seems to work before... The ones that were in the LA All-Star Game in 2017, those worked just fine. You had a combination of the new colors, 
black and white, and the old colors, foreign blue and yellow. That worked perfectly fine in that All-Star game. But of course, that's more of a personal memory because I was at that All-Star game, and I thought those jerseys looked fantastic. I mean, I have a black, I have a black jersey myself from that. The Pacific Division jersey, I think those are great. Perfect placement of the stars on the bottom stripe. One final thought on these jerseys, and I can tell you this. This is a total money grab. The NHL is trying to grab everybody's money by trying to hype up these jerseys. And there's two versions for the Ducks or for any team. There's a dark gray version and a white version. Hmm, why are they doing this? Oh, so they can sell more jerseys. Maybe the four jerseys didn't work before. Maybe that's because each team had their one specific jersey. Now, these teams have an option. They're either going to wear a black jersey or a white jersey. So each team is going to have two different jerseys on stock to sell at their team stores starting next week. And you know the fans are going to be all over it, and they're going to buy their jerseys. Of course, maybe that doesn't apply for the Ducks because the Ducks don't play again till after the All-Star break. So if Ducks fans want to get their hands on a jersey, they have to go to the team store on an off day because the Ducks don't play there for a while. In fact, the next time they play at home is all the way in January 29th as the Ducks embark on a long road trip once again. Let's see how they do on that road trip. But really, you know, every team, two jerseys. You know fans are going to buy both. It's a money grab. That's what this really is about. And I apologize that I've used the bleep button not once but twice on this episode. So I'll just end by saying that you can download today's podcast or any of the previous few episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. I shouldn't say or. Follow both. You can follow both the Ducks Twitter account and my personal account. Once again, at LO underscore Ducks and at StimpyJD. If you follow those accounts, you're going to see a bunch of hockey. There is hockey this weekend. There's goals tonight. There is goals versus rain tomorrow night at Pachanga Arena. That is Saturday night. It is 80s night at Pachanga Arena. And then after... Oh, there's also a Ducks game on Saturday night where the Ducks are in Chicago. Oh, we're going to hear Chelsea Dagger. I just know it. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to end the week by saying... Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate having all the followers and all the listeners. If you want to chat hockey with me, you can hit me up on Twitter or email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Enjoy all the hockey this weekend. Enjoy the Ducks on the road. Enjoy the goals. Go down to San Diego on Saturday. Maybe I'll see you there. So check out that game. For Locked On Ducks, I'm Jason. J.D. Hernandez saying... Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you at the rink. And stay cool, Anaheim. Mm